The book of Matthew 5, 45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. We've uh, already learned that this commandment is the inheritance of saints of all times, and the commandment is addressed by Christ strictly to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person who is sent by God have never had any part to the inheritance that is contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to. And so when I say that a person whom God has placed is not a person that we have elected by the matter of a vote or a person that has come and said, I have a revelation from God, God has put, placed me. <clears throat> it's different when God brings out his person amongst his nation <clears throat> and does this by using another apostle. If there is no other apostle, then God can use uh, a cast lot. If a person doesn't have the Holy Spirit, they speak in tongues, but they don't have the Holy Spirit who would be able to show them this person. God uh, brings out a person uh, from among the multitude, and pe but people don't see this person, and the reason is because they don't have the Holy Spirit. They're not being led by the Holy Spirit. Because to speak in tongues does not mean to be led by the Holy Spirit, and it does not mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because speaking in tongues is my spe spirit speaking, not me being filled with the Holy Spirit, but my spirit speaking, and I can do this at any time. But being filled with the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit takes uh, control of the mouth of a person uh, with the agreement of this person, when in his spirit he is Lord and Master. If the Holy Spirit is not the Lord and Master, then he will never be able to take control of the lips of a person. A person will never uh, allow the Holy Spirit to take control. <clears throat> until he receives him as Lord and Master. To receive him as Lord and Master, you need to clean your conscience from dead works. You need to bring in the fullness of the teaching of Christ and then receive the Holy Spirit as Lord and Master. He will come when there's a fullness of teaching there. And he will come to open up this uh, teaching, to make it alive for us as it relates to fulfilling the required commandment to be vigilant over the word of God within our heart as God is vigilant over his spoken word within the temple of our body <clears throat> we stop to study the following question what specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that we are collaborating with within our heart we have put into our heart the word of God and with this word we need to work we need to obey that word every action we need to check it is it according to the commandment that is already in my heart 
And in part, we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant, where we, in the death of the Lord Jesus, died by the law for the law, so that in the new tablets of the covenant, symbolizing the resurrection of Christ, we can receive justification so that we can live. We can receive justification in the resurrection of Christ. He died for our sins and rose for our justification. No one can receive justification in the death of the Lord Jesus. We receive it in his resurrection so that uh, we can live again for the one that died for us and resurrected so we can receive confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant symbolizing the resurrection of life if our salvation will not be confirmed it will be lost and it is confirmed between the mountains of Gebal and Gerizim when we know what blessings and curses are when we can we are responsible, we're able to choose life and reject death when we are able to uh, choose what is good, reject what is bad. And this is possible when there's a good soil of the heart. It was cleansed from dead works and the fullness of the teaching of Christ was put there and the Holy Spirit came there. And so having the Urim and the Thummim, the truth of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth in the heart then it's possible to make a decision between life and death. To give God the proper foundation to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the law but by the righteousness of faith similar to how he gave it to Abraham or his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. Therefore, the covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is spoken by his delegated ones. I shall remind us that the faith of God is information that comes from listening to the word. Faith is from hearing. It's not what we feel, but what we know, what the information that comes, and it comes by listening to the preached word. A person who is anointed lips that are God's lips. And in this way, our faith is obedience to the word of God that are preached by the person God has placed. And we say then that the word of God is the general and the faith of a person, this is the faith of God is the general. Our faith is obedience he is the soldier waiting for the commands and this command is put into him it's in the word of God and the Holy Spirit uh, then with time opens up the meaning uh, of what's inside the heart and he says now it's time for this promise and when a person receives that revelation in their heart uh, based on the information that's already in his heart, he knows then what is happening because the Holy Spirit reveals and a person begins to pray timely about specific promises. Just like Daniel did when he calculated according to the books that the uh, slavery, time of slavery has ended, 70 years had passed and he began to pray and ask God that he would show mercy to Israel and lead them out from Babylon. And before the word came out of the mouth of Daniel, 
and response was already sent and all of hell uh, went against this response uh, to stop that response that came from God to Daniel and this uh, response was delayed by two weeks because there was a great battle and Daniel at this time continued to be in fasting and praying and finally the angel Gabriel came to him and said man of God as your word came out of your mouth a response was sent to you but it was delayed because the prince of Persia was not allowing me the prince of Persia was uh, governing at the time it was a demonic uh, prince that was in control and he went against the archangel and so he, this angel told him God sent Gabriel me God sent Gabriel with his armies and left him there and I myself came here to you the work continued to uh, go on but the response was brought to him and so as it is now the war isn't hasn't ended it continues and God is leading this battle by the uh, words of warriors in prayer therefore by what signs do we examine ourselves that the peace of God rules within our heart which identifies us as the Son of God and as the most holy we know to examine your heart as to whether the peace of God is governing in it is possible by the ability to be a peacemaker this characterizes us as the sons of God as it is written blessed are the peacemaker for they shall be called sons of God Matthew 5 9 if we are not able to perform peace between men to perform peace and make peace between men or say there's someone who wants to argue with you it's a unique art where a person wants to argue and you uh, bring it instead to peace you disarm the situation and he being disarmed uh, then wants to sign a peace treaty we looked at six signs by which we can examine or judge ourselves that we are part of the sons of, that we are part of son, of the sons of peace and have been studying the seventh sign this is the ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God to identify whether I have the peace of God within myself God makes a covenant of peace with all of us when we repent and come to him and we in the baptisms water holy spirit and fire we in the covenant blood salt and peace we make it all these covenants in the format of a seed and this peace can't yet function it will function when we bear the fruits of righteousness when we grow in the good soil of our heart this tree of life because we make peace with God in the seed when our heart is not yet cleansed from dead works our spirit he is a child he has just been born and he is still subject to our carnal mind that is anointed by God to control our feelings and after he grows up this infant this new person God teaches him he 
he's greeted with the lion, with the bear, he tends the flocks of his father, and when danger approaches against your body, against your nation, when this giant Philistine and the entire arm and their armies and the Israelite army is afraid of their army, but he gladly comes out and says, I overcame a bear and a lion, and I will do the same thing with this Philistine, and he does that. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. When it says to be thankful, that's <clears throat> to not seek arguments or conflicts, but rather uh, disarm the situation. You say something good to a person, but sometimes a person will receive it as an offense. And what do you do? He has perceived this to be an offense. You then start proving something. You don't need to prove uh, anything to them. You just need to say, I apologize, my brother or my sister. I didn't mean to offend you. But you say, why do I need to apologize if I didn't do anything wrong? The reason is because you offended him with your kind word. He didn't understand what you said. As I told you once, I came to a church and the pastor of that church says, help me, I have two sisters, they don't take part in communion because they're always arguing with each other. However much I speak with them, they never can get along. And I asked one of the sisters, why did you get offended? And why are you angry with her? And so she says, you know, we were friends. She got sick. I came to visit her in the hospital. They wouldn't let me. And I tell her through the window, and I told her, can you come up to the window? And she, and she asked, uh, can you come to the window? And... And so uh, she, she had all this difficulty to try to get to her to her room, and apparently uh, she misunderstood the words that she said, and I guess got angry at that. And she wanted to explain to her that she couldn't get to her because the uh, those that sanitize and other things in the hospital wouldn't allow her to get near. Uh, but uh, she perceived this to be something very different, and. Uh, and so it was something very it was something ridiculous and these argument this argument has continued and <clears throat> oftentimes arguments between a husband and a wife uh, children and parents uh, uh, happens because we don't understand or misunderstand somebody and uh, it wasn't intended or intentional and so we're called in in one body, and this is not emotion. Emotions can say something different. You're offended, you did something good for someone or a lot of good, and they actually call you a name or spread a rumor about you. And so brotherly love will overcome this. 
In Scripture, the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or components by the preached words spoken by the apostles and prophets that in essence are the unchanging virtues of God. And so these qualities, these are God's qual uh, quality of character, and we need to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect so that we can have this character of God. And this character of God that we will hear about right now and that we already know. <clears throat> and so it is this way that he loves those who love him and hate those who hate him. And that he with his son uh, shines, uh, she shines, shines upon the righteous uh, and caresses them, but he uh, shines the sun upon the wicked and burns them and the rain he pours timely and within measure for the righteous and uh, and he floods the, the wicked and so what are these qualities of the heavenly father his heart is opened up here before us this is his virtue his goodness he's good in nature he's a, he's a good God in nature and this is virtuous he's good so that we can have this goodness this quality of God, and from this goodness comes everything. From this goodness comes knowledge, from knowledge, self-control, from self-control, perseverance, from perseverance, godliness, from godliness, brotherly kindness, and from brotherly kindness, love. Second Peter 1, 2 through 8. Specifically, this character, when we have it, it opens up to us access into the kingdom of heaven. This character is the greatest calling, calling for us. This is our calling to have such a character. What does it mean to have a calling? To be clothed into that character. <clears throat> but to be clothed into that character, you need to first cast off the old man with his deeds, renew your mind by the spirit of your mind, and only after that, with the renewed mind, you begin to clothe yourself, your body, into these qualities. In a specific format of the seven given characteristics of virtue that united identified the goodness of God within our heart, and so we receive his words into our heart in the form of a seed, but we still need to grow it into the fruits of, of life. And so this is God's goodness, his qualities, this is God's goodness, and we have been studying the sixth, which is the calling to demonstrate the love of God agape within brotherly love. The presence of this great noble com component in, dem in demonstrating our faith moves us literally from the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life. Until we are clothed into this godly love where we can demonstrate uh, we can demonstrate his qualities. And so again, we receive all of this in the form of a seed. The seed itself doesn't save. We need for the seed to grow in the soil of the good heart. And only after it grows, then are we able to demonstrate brotherly love in the form of a, a fruit. Specifically, the fruit will bring us out of the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life the fruit of love in brotherly love. We know that we have passed from death to life. We know, not we feel, 
we know that we have passed from death to life. Apostle Paul says, I, be, I know in whom I, I have believed. Uh, Apostle Paul had said, I know in whom I have believed. And so John here says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. How do we love them? Follow my commandments. Follow God's commandments. <clears throat> Why? Because we have a relationship with them based on commandments and statutes. We have a code uh, by which we need to form relationships with people and not look for ways of benefiting from someone, but in ways of how you can serve my brother or my sister. <clears throat> he who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. It's uh, unlikely that in sermons people talk about this anger and jealousy and that these are and a person who has these components and loves to demonstrate themselves loves to behave this way toward his brothers and sisters uh, is a murderer according to scripture <clears throat> and what that means is he kills his spirit inside of himself he kills his new person inside of himself and he does not have then the eternal life that should live in him relevant to this as with the previous components of the virtue of God and his unique for us goodness which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in this case brotherly love we came to the necessity to study four classical questions what do the scriptures say about the power of brotherly love which we are called to demonstrate in our faith what purpose is the power of brotherly love called to fulfill in our relationship with God and with each other what conditions do we need to fulfill so that we receive the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith and in a specific format we already looked at these three questions that we've listed and have been studying question four by what signs can we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith <clears throat> that is called to bring us out of the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life. We studied uh, four signs and are studying today now the fifth sign. And so this uh, component is by mercy looking down from heaven. The truth that comes from the soil of our heart, truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord will give that what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him, and shall make his footsteps our pathway. Psalm 85, 11 through 13. And so God's mercy comes, looks down from heaven upon one, who has the seed of truth in his heart and it bears fruits of righteousness and so this truth and the fruit of righteousness they come together as it says that truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven and so a person who grows the truth in uh, into the fruits of righteousness his eyes are always looking to heaven. He's always uh, expecting or waiting for uh, the time of meeting or meeting him. 
uh, as you haven't seen someone for a long time and you're preparing for it, and you're imagining already how you will meet, what you will say, you dress in a specific way, you clean in a specific way, same thing here. Uh, this person always imagines in his mind how he will meet with Christ and with the church of the first sheaf that had uh, resurrected with Jesus. They were taken up to heaven. In the given place of Scripture, we see our ability to draw God's mercy upon us by collaborating with the truth that has grown within our heart into the fruit of righteousness. The mercy of God in the temple of our body is the fourth foundation of the twelve foundations of the wall of Great Jerusalem decorated with precious, the, the precious stone emerald. We've noted that the word mercy is identified in Scripture in the qualities of the grace of God and in literal terms means mercy is restoration, rest, restoring your relationship, restoring not just relationships, but restoring the heritage because in Adam we lost our inheritance in God. In the new Adam, second Adam, we are being it's being restored to us. It's also provision, pr preparation, care, dedication, faithfulness, loyalty, goodness, and consideration. This is not the full or complete list of what it, the mercy of God is. God in this mercy uh, restores his relationship with us. According to these identifications, the mercy of God is called to take part in regulating the norm the norms of a, of a legitimate relationship that need to be built or formed from or between man and God, between man and other men, that is with, within each, with each other, between man and all of the world. And so God's person needs to look at the earth correctly and needs to treat the world, animals, beasts, rivers, fields, mountains, clouds, you need to correctly uh, look at everything. With this, the presence of the mercy of God in one of the aspects of our life in no way means that it is an automatic guarantee to be present in another aspect. Why? Just as conquering a single city in the Canaanite land didn't mean that they had conquered the entire country. Therefore, according to Scripture, for the presence of mercy, each aspect of our life needs to correspond to the demands of truth grown into the fruits of righteousness upon which the mercy of God can come down and look down upon that is contained in the power of the life of God. And so it's very interesting to understand. We think that we have grown this fruit, this, tr uh, this seed into fruit, but we have a lot of areas and in every area you need to grow this tree. And it happens that we grew, grew this in one area <clears throat> of our life and, and our, it has been subject to God, but there's other areas that may not be. And you can <clears throat> know for yourself that you're free from something and your heart is completely free from a specific type of sin. But other sins are still, th are still there or rise up. And so our body <clears throat> continues to remain under the power of the old person. And as soon as it comes 
out of the power of the old person and into our control, then we will fully be able to control our body and our mouth. And then our gentle tongue will never offend a person. They will be wise and gentle. Gentle is a wise tongue. They know when to speak, what to speak, what to say. In this way, specifically, the choice of a man and following that choice, decisions and actions will determine whether this person becomes a vessel of wrath or a vessel of mercy, as it is written. What if God wanted to, to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand? for glory, Romans 9.22.23. And so we will need to, until a specific time, be patient in our midst of weeds, where we are in the midst of weeds, uh, when God will finally remove these weeds and show the difference between the weeds and the wheat. Looking at the sovereign relations of a man with God, forming an atmosphere of truth in the heart, grown by us into the fruits of righteousness that would be able to draw the mercy of God is a joint and daily work between God and man. Because of this, it is necessary to remind ourselves of four classical questions by which we can examine ourselves on demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith, moving us from the state of death into the state of eternal life. First, identifying the essence of mercy in the moral character of God. Second, the purpose that God pursues in His mercy the price that turns God's mercy upon you, and the result that identifies the mercy of God within our life. In the previous services, we already looked at the first question and stopped to study the second question. What purpose does God pursue in, in His mercy that looks down from heaven to the truth that is grown in the soil of our good heart in the, into the fruits of righteousness so that we can examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith. Since in the previous services, five of the components of the purpose of the mercy of God were already the subjects of our study, we will immediately turn to study the sixth. The sixth purpose of the mercy of God when it comes to us as vessels of mercy is called to guide us by his messengers to his holy habitation, by the, si the sign of which we can examine ourselves that we have the power of brotherly love in ourselves. Exodus 15:13. You in your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. What is this? A holy habitation where God, because of his great mercy, led the nation of Israel. This is the Church of Christ. She is this holy habitation. It is she that was that was revealed. It was her that was revealed uh, to Abraham. God revealed to Abraham who Melchizedek is and who his church is and what he's doing. He saw the day of Christ in that time and he saw it and rejoiced. He saw the builder, uh, the master builder, the one that's built the, the city that is not of this earth. Numbers 14.8, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into his land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. The Canaanite land is a symbol 
of the future of the future Canaanite uh, inheritance that we are to have. Why Canaanite? Because our body <clears throat> in the state that it's in is called Canaan, Canaanite. It is not called uh, Israel. Israel. Our spirit is a warrior in prayer, but our body, although we have given it as a tool of righteousness, we it continues to remain Canaanite. As soon as our body is changed in the blink of an eye and we will be clothed into our new person, then our body will become an Israelite land. But right now, it's still the Canaanite land. Milk and honey flow. It turns out that in this body and also when we are together gathered, God says he will give us mercy and will lead us into the land where milk and honey flow. It's talking here about supernatural milk, supernatural honey that is produced by bees. Apostle Paul would never write any of these books if he was not a part of the group of saints and they prayed for him. He said, pray for me that God give me the word. And so the queen that allows these bees to live and to uh, do the work, they bring nectar, and so your your prayers allow the delegated of God, the messengers of God, to have words. They, the, de- the messengers of God, they are, they are as you are, and because we pray and because we have a mutual prayer, Uh, God gives his words to this person, not because this person is higher than you, better than you. No, he is as you are. But God has chosen him and prepared him and given him the ability so that he can be a vessel of honor and can carry his truth. He needs to be... He he needs to be a moral example that he can be looked at and and uh, imitate him, not stumble on him, but to, and so imitate means you need, it uh, it doesn't mean you need to uh, have the same, uh, that you need to have the same clothing that you need to have. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about how you behave toward God and toward one another. And so the power of brotherly love will be demonstrated when we understand what his holy habitation is. We will know that God has led us there, then we can have the sign. Seventh purpose of the mercy of God, when it comes to us as vessels of mercy, is called to give us peace, by the sign of which we can determine that we have the power of brotherly love within ourselves. How precious is your loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. Psalm 36, 7, they're at peace under the shadow of his wings. And so in this way, the role of God in the purpose of his mercy in each individual aspect of our life consists of him implementing his norms in these aspects and his identifications of what is evil and what is good. In our aspects, in every aspect of ourselves, the identification of what is evil and what is good there. At the same time, our role in activating His mercy in our life consists in preparing our heart to listen to God and immediately fulfill what you hear. 
We know that the shadow of the wings, the two wings themselves, are the Urim and the Thummim, and the shadow coming from the wings means that we acknowledge over ourselves the authority of the person who has in his heart the Urim and the Thummim. He's given the Urim and the Thummim so that he can listen to or to read the Word of God, that is to see the revelations that are in the Word, and also and then give, given the anointing to others to understand that word. They're given the Urim and the Thummim to hear the word and to understand it. Because only, because of God's wisdom can a person understand the truth. A person that is carnal cannot understand or receive it. With all their desire, they still will not be able to. And if you accept the word that belongs to our spirit and that says what needs to happen soon, and you know what needs to happen soon, then this means that your in your life there are signs of brotherly love. Third question, what price needs to be paid to grow the seed of truth into the fruit of righteousness within our heart so that the mercy of God would come down from heaven into our essence that would be able to look down by which we would be able to judge that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith. First, to grow the seed of truth into the fruit of righteousness within our heart so that the mercy of God would come down from heaven into our essence, it is necessary to not make for ourselves any carved image or any likeness and not serve them by the sign of which we can judge that we are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord, am your God, a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Deuteronomy 5 through 10 by showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments carved image or idol is anything that we dedicate ourselves to what we depend on and all that we value and make a priority when it comes to God is a carved image or idol and let us look at some uh, look at what kind of idols we can have that can be upon the list of priorities as first and that can become idols the gifts of the Holy Spirit the blessings of God a creation of God, of some kind God's creation including man specific attractions and hobbies and finally our individual persona our I Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenants and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep you the covenant and mercy which He swore to your fathers. Deuteronomy 7, 12. Why today are people not serving God? because they have a lot of idols in their heart, these images and idols, and they've created them for themselves. If in churches there are specific groups and classes, <clears throat> how to practice the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how to rebuke demons, how to become blessed, specific groups, how to increase your materialistic uh, means instead of correctly honoring God, they say the more 
you will give to the anointed of God, the more you will receive. They redirect it. They, they say, they, instead of having the, the, the offerings being given to the church, uh, they, they convince people to give it to them directly into their pocket. And so, because these people are not able to control the finances that are in their churches, they say, you need to give to me directly into my pocket. We need to bring our tithes into the storehouse and not make people idols and worship them and think that if we're in some kind of need, that the spirit of poverty is in control of us. The spirit of poverty is not in control of us if we're in poverty. I mean, materialistically, because many saints that were wealthy in faith, they were in poverty and they went to the Lord in poverty, being wealthy in faith. Apostle Paul says, we are poor. We have nothing, but we do possess all things. To be poor, but possess everything, knowing that everything that's on this earth belongs to us because the Lord is, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And if God has allowed us to me to have this much, then that is where I will praise God. To another, God gives wealth. David, with all of his wealth, was not uh, he was not drawn or attracted to that wealth. He he continually said that he was poor in spirit. I am poor and lowly. Why did he call himself poor and lonely? Uh, because he 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 had this need for the word in himself. The word of God is was better to him than gold itself and the purest of gold. He he talked about that, that the word of God was so precious and valuable to him. When the word of God will be placed upon the pedestal, not just here on our stage, in the beginning was the word, but that in our heart, in the beginning was the word. When the word will be on your pedestal, then we will not have idols. And we will be able to show the power of brotherly love in our faith. Second, to grow the seed of truth into the fruit of righteousness within our hearts so that the mercy of God would look down from heaven into our essence, it is necessary to not touch the cursed thing. This is the tithe and offering, which includes ourselves, <clears throat> because we together are a tithe and uh, of ourselves. We bring ourselves to God as God's property by the signs of which we can judge that we have brotherly love in our faith so none of the cursed things shall remain in your hand that the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show you mercy have compassion on you and multiply you just as he swore to your fathers Deuteronomy 13 17 when something that is accursed is in our hand the fierceness of his anger is upon us, not his mercy, but the fierceness of his anger. And so that God can silence this anger, he says, you need to get rid of this accursed thing. It needs to not be in your hand. When we sometimes fall into a situation where we are trusted with something, and when we see that they trust us, it begins to uh, 
uh, it becomes to feel like this is of your own. I will give you an example. My father, to to test me, I was a little bit older already, he would take a lot of money, fives, uh, <clears throat> he would just uh, dump a whole pile of money on the table and leave it there. And I would pass by, see it, and then I did take one uh, <clears throat> or th- three rubles and I put them in my pocket. And he says, well, dad won't notice, there's a lot of money there. And I was a child that did fear God. My conscience judged me, and I began to talk to her, saying, well, I didn't take a lot, and there's a lot of money there. And so to, and so how did I get this money? I'll have to explain then how I I got this money. Then I took my brother and I hid this money under a rock and uh, and then I suddenly uh, pretend like I found it under the rock and then my brother was looking to see if they could find anything else. And then my parents called me out and said, son, if you want, you need to ask for it. We want that the money be not hidden. It will be in a place you will know and you could take from there but you can't take uh, uh, when you want you need to ask for it first and if we allow you to take then you can take it and for me it was a lesson I was embarrassed I was hurt why did I tell the story because adults uh, in this way when they're trusted with something they can begin to take as a were advantage and they try then to justify that but so but if you continue to remain in that of course the fierceness of his anger uh, you won't have true peace in your heart you will need to do something uh, if you want to remain in that kind of way and so God for God to silence to uh, the, his anger you need to do what repent repent and say, you know, I did this and I won't do it again. When we're talking about the accursed thing, everything that is God's property is an accursed thing. Therefore, any claim to any property of God and looked at is looked at and considered taking of the accursed thing according to Scripture. And so instead of the mercy that we are expecting, we will receive wrath that would be able to be silenced, as we said, by separating this accursed thing from ourselves and giving it to God. We say, well, I will take of the tithe and then I'll give it back. Don't do that. When you take from someone from their pocket or, or you ask them, This you could, uh, but when you take from God, when you steal from God, when you take what is of the accursed thing, it's worse. If it's from someone else, but when you took the the tithe, don't uh, take of the accursed thing at any time. If you've ever done that, uh, repent uh, and don't do that. Third, to grow 
the seed of truth into the fruits of righteousness within our hearts so that the mercy of God would look down from heaven into our essence, it is necessary to place a goal uh, uh, for yourself to turn to the Lord and not to the power of your intellect by the sign of which we can judge that we have brotherly love in our faith. For he commands and raises the stormy winds which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens, they go down again in the depths, their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and from and stagger like a drunken man, and you are at and are there with and are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. <clears throat> he calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet, so he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. He turns rivers into a wilderness and the well springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wicked of those who dwell in it. He turns a wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. There he makes the hungry dwell that they may establish a city for a dwelling place and so fields and plant vineyards and they may... that they may yield a, fr- a fruitful harvest. He also blessed, blesses them and they multiply greatly and he does not let their cattle decrease. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where they are no, there is no way. The righteous see it and rejoice and all iniquity stops in in its mouth, in their mouth. Psalm 107, 25 through 40. 43. And so, if we talk about the encounters, the example of the encounters, they want success, they want to rebuke demons, they want to heal, and they try to sanctify themselves within three days. And they want people in the church to increase. Look at what's happening where encounters happened. Not a single church will avoid the curses and the plagues that will come upon it that use these encounters. This is a curse that is upon this church. Until they repent in dust, they repent for this great, great error. However you call yourself, I understand this all began in the false charismatic movement, but it has captured uh, Pentecostals, Baptists, and other services, and they also started doing these so-called encounters, this sanctification that isn't sanctification. Sanctification is an everyday, every second decision. This is a choice between good and evil, to say or to not say, to do or not do. This is what sanctification means. And when you speak and a word comes in your mind and you you think, should I say this or shouldn't I not say it? And you say, no, I'll, I'll, I'll restrain myself. I'll withhold myself. This is sanctification. When you... uh, sanctify your dedication because you dedicate yourself to God and being dedicated you need to be this island and when it says that uh, a great wind rises up what happens these are people that are on the ships on the sea and large uh, waves toss the uh, the the ships up and down up and down and they are in the ocean and then they start to repent. Of course, this is all symbolic we're talking here. When life begins to 
uh, lift us up and toss us in such a way we don't understand where good, evil is, light, or darkness, and what's happening, and what's happening with the church, and how it can even be in the church the things that happen and all wisdom disappears but when they call to God in their sorrow he leads them out of this calamity uh, quiet comes upon them and he shows them where their fault is fourth to grow the seed of truth into the fruit of righteousness within their heart within your heart so that the mercy of God would look down from heaven into our essence it is necessary similar to God to be merciful to vessels of mercy and strict toward the vessels of wrath by the sign of which we need to judge that we have brotherly love in our faith. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablets of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Proverbs 3, 3, 4. When it's talking about the mercy of God, the interests of whom we need to present from the name of God and before God, we need to always consider that we are called to show this mercy exclusively to the vessels of mercy. Exclusively, again, to the vessels of mercy. Otherwise, when mercy turns out to be a vessel of wrath, that is, people that are unclean and accursed, then instead of receiving the mercy of God, we draw God's wrath upon ourselves. As it is written, then he said to them, thus, thus says the Lord, because you have let slip out of your hand a man whom I appointed to utter destruction, therefore your life shall go for his life and your people for his people. First Kings 20.42 According to Scripture, to be merciful toward the wicked, <clears throat> this will in no way make him holy, and this is because vessels of wrath are not able to be renewed with repentance. Let the grace be shown to the wicked, yet he will not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness he will deal unjustly and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. Isaiah 26.10 Therefore, only when we will demonstrate mercy and truth to vessels of mercy, we will uh, receive mercy from God and men. And the scriptures recommend us to bind our neck with mercy and truth and write them upon the tablets of our heart, which means to uh, focus yourself and prepare yourself to demonstrate mercy to vessels of mercy according to the truth. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And he said, he who showed mercy on him, then Jesus said, to him, then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise, he who showed mercy on him. Here it was talking about a person who was coming from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell under uh, the attack of criminals, and he was dying from wounds, and another person to obtain righteousness, Jericho is a symbol of righteousness, and a person was taking this journey, and a priest came, walking by, saw this wounded man, and continued on forward. And it, a, a Levite also passed by, looked, and continued going, continued walking. And then a, Sam, a, good, a good Samaritan, he wasn't even from the Israelite people, that although he lived in Israel, was not an Israelite. He saw and had pity on him, came down from his donkey. Uh, he put 
balm on his wounds. He put him upon his own donkey. He came to an inn and and paid the paid the keeper of the inn uh, for his stay. And and he told him, if you need to keep him longer, I'll pay you the rest when I come back on my way back. And so, which of them showed <coughs> mercy? He he asked them, and they said the Samaritan. And I told him, you'd go and do the same. Jesus said, when I come back, the inn is the church where God brings these people that wanted to justify, be justified and that were beaten by criminals. The criminals are carnal people, the unclean and lawless people that instead of tells the people the righteous will fall seven times and rise again. They keep you in shackles and they say, you need to, you need to, you need to, but they never uh, preach how to do anything. I know I need it. It doesn't work. Please explain how. And the one saying these things doesn't know how. They just say you need to. And so when the preacher says you need to, this person needs to then explain how. How? The scriptures say, call yourself, you're, you're dead to sin, consider yourself dead to sin, living for God, proclaim the non-existent stronghold of life in yourself as existent. And if you fell, that doesn't mean there's no way out of the situation, out of sin. There's always a way out. The devil says there's no way out. Sometimes a sin can be very shameful. And for us, it's very shameful. For every person, there is a different level of shame uh, on different levels. And sometimes people considered it shameful and were afraid to uh, confess uh, certain sins that they considered to be extremely shameful, but they were not uh, at all shameful. uh, based on, on, on the normal thought. And so why does that happen? And so these criminals, this governing sin, lusts, they also uh, they hurt us. And so why was the priest not able to help him? Because he was a priest of the Old Testament. Why did the preachers not why are these preachers not able to help? They're not able able to help because they say they're preachers of the New Testament, but they're, as of the old, they're not able to help you. Mercy, how do you show mercy toward the sinner? We have an opportunity when someone sins against us to forgive them. And when you forgive in the name of Jesus Christ, you are being merciful. And God then will show his mercy on you. Why? Because you showed your mercy upon him. In this parable, this mercy was given to this person when the Pharisees were accusing his disciples that in the Sabbath day they were gathering the wheat and eating it. He gave them this parable. If you would have known, I desire mercy, you would not have condemned the righteous. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless, he's saying. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Matthew 12, 7, 8. Not the Sabbath is supposed to be a Lord. They weren't understanding the Sabbath correctly. They, For them, the Sabbath was the Lord. 
But we need to understand that the Sabbath was not to be Lord. The Son of Man was Lord over the Sabbath. <clears throat> because the Sabbath is God's peace, God's rest, God's peace. You don't need to light a lamp because I give you my light, my supernatural light. You, Your sun won't shine. Now it will be my sun that's going to be shining on you. But people don't didn't understand that. Under, uh, following the Sabbath, even today, Israelites don't understand what Sabbath is. For them, the Sabbath is as Lord. But the true Lord of the Sabbath is, is the Son of Man. And the Sabbath is His church. But they didn't understand that. He said that this is my Sabbath, the one that you condemned, my, my disciples, they are the Sabbath. And he, said, he told them, the priests in the temple always violate the Sabbath, but I am the Lord of the Sabbath, and these, my disciples, are in their right place. And so Jesus in this way showed that the vessel of mercy can be one that is in his presence who is his student. If a person is not a student in nature, as he has accepted by nature, uh, to be a part of his nature, to be a student, then a person who is not a student does not have the need to show mercy or forgive. Those who consider themselves uh, non-students, they don't need to forgive anything. And you don't need to show mercy and, and you need to require then from them because but a neighbor, one that is a student, one that fall into a difficult circumstance situation, these you need to forgive. Let us uh, bend our knees and pray. And I invite all those who want to repent in their sins so that they can take part in this great service that will connect us to the body of Christ, to the blood of Christ that will give us eternal life. You can come here and right now hear God according to his word, regardless of what you feel, will forgive you, will clean you, and will make you worthy of the communion. Amen. Let us pray.
I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you <clears throat> to deeply believe that God is for you, He's not against you. He is ready right now to cleanse your heart by, the, by His blood and to make you worthy of His communion so that you may eat, be, eat and be healed. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that they are without wrath or doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart. You see my pain. This wounds that are inflicted by sin, I hate my lusts, my passions that battle within my body. May they be thrown into hell. May I be delivered from these webs. May the shackles of sin be destroyed. I love your righteousness. I love your truth. I love your nation. I love your word. I lift it up within myself on the throne of my heart. May it be the master of my life. I accept your Holy Spirit may enter into my heart and be Lord and Master of my life. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you. May this be on you and your children and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. Blessed is the Lord. Specifically, the communion of the Lord, it brings us over this, jo this Jordan because every time we eat the body of the Lord, we drink His blood, we proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. We proclaim that we are within this death and we wait <clears throat> when the resurrection of Christ will cover us. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 32. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. 
Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and not his neighbor, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Please be seated. And so, a person can take part in this communion if he has, by faith, received Jesus into his heart as his Savior and has made a covenant by baptism of water. The exception is children up until about 16. After 16, if a person doesn't do his part to make a covenant with God after 16 years old, he needs to stop taking part because after 16, he perfectly understands. He listened, he was in the church, and he needs to take the responsibility of doing this. And so right now we will pray for the bread. I will ask everyone to stand. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this broken body when it will be passing by your people and we will take of it. This is your body. May your blessing and the power that's in this be on your people and may the chains of sin be broken and weaknesses and sicknesses be destroyed in the body of your people when they will eat of it. And may your nation be blessed in taking of this great mystery. We thank you for this privilege and we worship before you our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The road that is approached, please stand. And he gave thanks. He said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Each one will break his own. And the reason is by breaking of the bread, you showed that you were a participant upon the cross or upon Golgotha, that you were a participant in crucifying him because he died for our sins. It's written, he gave himself for his church. And second, breaking, when we break because we are a part of this bread, this is the body of Christ. This is not just Christ. This is also the body of Christ that is broken together with him, upon whom the reproach falls, the reproach that is against him, we see the act of humility, that we are humbled before God, and that we with our faith are connected to God's faith. Every time when God broke the bread, Christ broke the bread, after his resurrection, he became known at the time of the breaking of the bread. He, until that time, uh, until uh, the breaking of the bread happened, they wouldn't see him. But as soon as they would break the bread, he would appear. This is a great uh, honor for us to understand that breaking of the bread and taking part in this great mystery to discern the Lord's body is to discern 
the, the church and are partaking in the church, that the Christ is the head of the church, and if we have been crucified with him, then our bodies are also broken, not physically, but we overcome trials and suffering that are allowed into our life. These are illnesses, weaknesses, and other forms of suffering when we lose something and when we today rejoice before God. And this is a great joy for us because this is not a sorrow because Jesus already overcame and we take part in the death as in his victory. By his death, he overcame death that we were subject to. And he pulled us out from these claws of death and being in the death of Christ, taking part, we already are not in this death. Because to be in, in the death of Christ and to be in the in the state of eternal death are two different things. To be in the death of Christ is that we already pass from death to life. To be in the death of Christ is to be dead to uh, maybe uh, becoming angry, say, if our boundaries are somehow violated. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Isaiah 53, chapter 53. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We are already healed by his stripes. And when we open our mouth with thanksgiving, because we have been healed in his wounds, because of his wounds, he, God then will find the time how and when to heal us. Let us stand up and we'll pray for the cup. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the cup of the covenant, the new cup of the covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. When it shall be passing by your people and we will take of it, we will drink of it, 
may your favor be upon us and your mercy may it be looking down upon your people may it be in favor to us and a healing we thank you for the poured out cup of the covenant for us for our sins and we worship before you our great god son and holy spirit amen please be seated that road that is approached please stand help and assist one another in taking of the cup just as you did with the breaking of the bread the cup is Christ for the whole world one sometimes uh, sometimes people say, well, there are a lot of cups that are passed around, but it's one cup. However many cups are passed around, it's still one Christ. It is one for the whole world, and each one taking part, this is the blood that was poured out for, the, for us, for us that take part. He died for our sins and rose for our justification, and although the chastisement of the world is upon him, by his wounds we are healed. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yea, he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. <clears throat> and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet he pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He, sh he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil from the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and it was he was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Every time, as often as you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. God is faithful to his word the Holy Spirit is at peace right now God's holy silence is when he does his work many of us only in eternity will know how uh, during communion many of the bacteria and viruses and different things were move, removed from our, our way, our path. We need to understand that this is the blood of the covenant and it will protect us inside as well as outwardly as well. We will be grateful to God that we have the opportunity to take part in this great mystery. 
If there's someone that may have been accidentally passed by, please stand. If not, I will ask everyone to stand up. And we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.